Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 103. Yes, tonight we have the final batch of books before all the books are reset with the new number ones and everything like that. We got uh, Emerald Warriors 11, 12, and 13, and Green Lantern Corps number 67. Wait, no, Green Lantern Corps 63. Yes. Yeah. And Emerald Warriors 11 through 13, yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll jump right into it, because we have quite a few books to get into tonight. Yeah, we have four, and there's only three or two of us tonight, so... Uh, Before we get into this, I do want to offer up a quick reminder that uh, the contest, the 3D Fandom Contest, will be over in just two days when this when this episode gets released. Wow. That's that's pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know... Have we been I, getting enough entries? Oh, uh, we've gotten a few entries. Okay. So, uh, you know, still a few days. I, they only... The episode only went out, like... Just a couple of days ago, so. Yeah, but I I haven't made any mashed potatoes recently. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a problem. Remember, 3D fandom. You can go to the forums to look at some, uh, you know, more in-depth rules and whatnot, or listen to last episode. But uh, okay, um, yeah. So the contest will end September 21st. So get those entries in, everybody. And uh, now, okay, jumping right in, Emerald Warriors number 11. The uh, the beginning of the end, as uh, we'll call it. This uh, written by Peter Tomasi. He's um, been writing for a while, in case you haven't been paying attention. I, well, he's written almost, what, he's written this entire series? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't remember if there was like a fill-in issue somewhere, but... It's too short of a run for him not to have written all the series. You would think. Uh, and uh, art by Bernard Chang. Bernard Chang, yep. Okay, so this one's fairly simple. Um, Guy is uh, on his way back to Earth for some rest and relaxation, but since he's the closest, Salak sends him in a uh, off to a a distress call, and you know, Guy goes over there. He saves a female dignitary. Um, you know, knocks out a whole bunch of other. Uh, alien ships, and he just wants to be on his way again to, you know, take on that R&R, but he gets invited on the ship and uh, has to eat dinner with the dignitary, <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's kind of falling for her because she has blue skin, and we know that Guy has a thing for, you know, chicks that are kind of, you know, frosty. And voluptuous. <laughs> that too. <laughs> It's not just because she has blue skin, folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, also the white hair, so. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a thing for chicks with white hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it turns out the, that whole, you know, dinner thing was just to, you know, kind of knock Guy out. Um, the dignitary, you know, actually kills Guy Gardner. I guess, like, the sheets are electrified as he's going towards the bed, because you know where that was headed. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he gets zapped, um, and he dies. He literally dies. The ring flies off his body, but they catch it. Uh, that was the whole plan, to catch the Green Lantern ring. And as the, the dignitary leaves, her her lackey, for want of a better term, uh, brings Guy back to life, 
because he's tired of being a slave and he just wants his freedom. So he figures by bringing Guy back to life, he can probably save him. And then Guy goes about, you know, running through the ship and uh, knocking at anybody on his way. And he finally comes to the, the dignitary. But, yeah, just before that, he finds the actual dignitary who's dead. So the the, the dignitary that he's been talking to is uh, an imposter. Um, and, uh, yeah, the whole plan was to impersonate, well, yeah, impersonate the dignitary and steal Green Lantern's ring so that she could unlock all the secrets of the universe. Um, yeah, before she's able to stab Guy, Guy knocks her out with one punch. <laughs> Had to put throw that punch. in there. Yeah. yeah, and he gets his ring back, and that's it. I like the art in this a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Art was beautiful. Um, it's not just because the chick is hot. It's just, I think it also has a lot to do with the inking and the coloring too. It's just really good. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind nice of nice shades. It's kind of funny, like, you know, all of these issues as they're all winding down, you can tell that a lot of it is kind of fill-in kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard Chang, he doesn't have like a steady. DC gig. So, you know, they said, oh, well, you know, Bernard, we need you on this so that, um, who, who was on this? Was it, uh, Fernando? No, it wasn't Fernando. It was, uh, Adrian something rather. Pissarin? Who, who, is that who, who was on this? Well, who was on Emerald Warrior? As the artist? Yeah. For the previous ten issues. Oh, I don't remember. Okay. Um, I can look it up, though. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, <laughs> that artist is probably on one of the number ones in the 52 batch. Um, so in order to get a jump on that, DC calls in their fill-in artists, uh, which is why we got to see Daniel HDR on Green Lantern Corps for a few issues. Um, yeah, so Bernard Chang, you know, he takes over for this issue, and it's gorgeous. Now, I don't necessarily know that Bernard Chang could keep up this pace every month, but my God, if he could, it would be awesome. Uh, it is... I was right. Fernando Prasarin. Okay. So, and I mean... Uh, well, I looked up I looked up Emerald Warriors number two. Yeah. So it looks like it's Prasarin. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. All right, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Um, but this, it's, it's great art. Uh, what'd you think of the story? Uh, besides it being your atypical crazy-ass person trying to control the universe with the most powerful weapon at hand and unlock the secrets of everything and all of that, I mean, despite it being, like, such a a lame premise in my mind and an overused one at that, not to mention the fact that the concept is introduced and resolved in one issue, all those factors could have made it a terrible issue, but I really enjoyed it. You know? I, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, you you make excellent points. I mean, the the premise is is definitely a very simple premise, um, and you know it's Peter Tomasi. And if you remember, the last time he did like kind of a a shorter type story, 
it was way back in that Blackest Night, Tales of the Blackest Night, mm-hmm. where he did Kilowog's, you know, rookie story. Yeah. And oh, really? Oh, God. Yeah, with uh, with Ermi. With which somehow ended up being a better animated translation. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, like, when you read that, you knew that it was like, okay, well, this is a very typical, you know, rookie-type story. It was almost yeah. exactly out of Full Metal Jacket. Pretty much. But with a Green Lantern spin. Now, this is basically, you know, like one of those, you know, space double-cross changeling, you know, type stories that's been done before, but, you know, it's done again here. It's it's done well. It's This is definitely not the greatest issue of Green Lantern. It's not the greatest issue of Emerald Warriors, but it's it's a good issue, and it's, you know, it's uh, it's it's nice. You know what I was thinking, as you were saying all that, I was, saying, what, was wondering, would this be on a list, not that we haven't tried to do this kind of an episode before, but a list of uh, f- issues to hand someone to get them into Green Lantern? You, you know, it, I, I, I don't think this would be a bad issue. Me neither. It takes place almost exclusively in space. It lets you know... That there is a Green Lantern core and not just one Green Lantern, so it kind of introduces that concept. Because it kind of, you know, it's one little panel of Oa and one panel of Salak, which, by the way, looks like he's allergic and got stung by a bee. <laughs> because he's got his a face super is, huge head. Yeah, his face is about twelve times its normal size. <laughs> um, but it takes place in space. It focuses entirely around Guy Gardner. Uh, who's pretty abrasive, but if the last time you saw Guy Gardner was, I don't know, when he was, you know, having a, a bowl cut and was a giant douche, then maybe you would like this Guy Gardner. I mean, I don't know. Well, this this is nowhere near as bad as, uh, you know, that which shall not be named. I'll do it. Don't, don't. <laughs> Don't tease me, man. I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't. It shall not be named. But uh, it rhymes with uh, shmishmaterol shmamage. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. This is this would be a great one to to give, you know, a new reader. Um, it's a good taste of Green Lantern, it, it, and it shows that, you know, given the circumstance that they don't have their ring. They're not completely useless also. Yeah. You know? So, overall, like, what I was really expecting, and, you know, be completely bluntly obvious, uh, honest, rather, with these last three issues of Emerald Warrior, I was abs- I was expecting crap. Like, I was really expecting the, the bottom of the barrel. Um, like Bullshit wrap-up. Yeah, like like three issues of crap that had nothing to do with anything, were just completely stupid, useless stories. Um, and starting with number eleven, I'm like, actually, this is great. Like this is this is what I want from comics. I want mm-hmm. stories that are, you know, done in one shot. Now, I mean, okay, I would I'd like plots that are a little more you know have a little bit more to them than, say, like, you know, something like this all the time. Uh, and 
the one downside to these last three issues, as we're you know we will get to them all. The one downside is that after the previous ten issues, where you know it's all these stories having to do with you know the war and you know uh, alliances and truces being made and so many plot threads going on, like for these last three issues, like they just completely drop all of those plot threads. You know, like we have no idea what happened to Sodom yet. You know, they don't touch on Aresia or Kilowog at all. Um, <laughs> you said touch on Aresia. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like... Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. We didn't get any of that stuff, and... Well, there's a lot to handle, and they're not going to do it in these last couple of issues. Well, they should have, though. Hmm. Like, I, I, I definitely think that they should have. Like, yeah, I don't know. What we got, I like, but it would have been nice to, to get some wrap-up to the series. Yeah. So, okay. Now, uh, issue Let's, uh, 12? Well, oh, well oh. Before, before we do that, uh, Dan couldn't make it here tonight, so he sent us his his uh, thoughts in true CGS style, since we're getting more and more like the greatest show on Earth. Uh, <laughs> he, he couldn't be here, so he sent us his thoughts in. Uh, so we're going to read them at the end of our, our little thoughts here. Um, he says, Emerald Warriors number 11. I thought this was a fun, light sci-fi story. I think the bad guy's plan was a little complicated just to get a hold of a Green Lantern ring, though. Also, let's not gloss over the fact that Guy dies. He pulls a Kyle Rayner and dies for five minutes. Ring flew away and everything. And I thought, wow, could you imagine if it was if this was how this character actually went out? Great last page. I really like how they handle the lighting effects throughout. The art, this is another one where I almost don't feel like I'm looking at a DC book, and I don't mean that in a bad way. So it seems like he echoes a lot of our points there. Yeah, and, you know, he's right about the, the death of, of Guy. Um, like, that's that's a fairly large, you know, concept. Like, while I was reading it, there was no point of me that ever thought, it's like, oh, well, he's definitely dead. <laughs> I figured, like, they, they tricked his body or something like that, but, like, I didn't think that he was going to, you know, be dead permanently. Yeah. That would have been interesting. That would have been very interesting if they killed him in number 11 and then still had issues 12 and 13 to go. <laughs> Although, since I already had 12 and 13 before I read 11, I kind of knew that he wasn't going to die. It's been so long since we've recorded, I mean, before the last episode, because I can't find Emerald Warriors, my physical copy of Emerald Warriors 11. Folks, there's only two places it could be, in a certain pile of comics in my room or in my long box. And I haven't put anything in the in my long boxes since, I'm, since before I moved. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's been a while. <laughs> that issue must be in a long box somewhere, because this, that's ridiculous. It's in a long box. Long box, long gone. <laughs> oh, by the way, which cover did you get of that issue? Uh, I got... The cover was was kind of lame. No, the, the variant cover was cool. Well, I, I got a cover of Guy Gardner like, looking like he's about to punch the reader, and it just says, like, alone in the background over and over again. 
Yeah, but you, you've seen the image for the variant, right? Um, which one is it? It's like a red background, and guy's got his face like pointed, like looking down at the ground. So most of his face is shadowed, and he's holding a Green Lantern battery in one hand and his Red Lantern coat in the other. That sounds awesome. It's pretty badass. That doesn't have anything to do with the issue. But it looks pretty badass. It looks like it'd make a great poster or like a, an art print or something like that. That's kind of like the difference between uh, the Green Lantern core 63 and the variant cover. I didn't see the variant for that one. But. The variant cover of that has it's like a close-up of Kyle in his blue lantern uniform. Oh, like when they used to do, or not they used to do, a while, a long time ago, like the 90s or something, they did the, uh, each issue had like a close-up of somebody's face, like the the cover. Yeah, yeah, actually yeah. very, very similar to that. Okay, yeah, I think I've seen that one actually. Okay, yeah, the cover, that um, the artist that did the cover to the version that I got was Dan Panosian, and uh, the person that did the cover for yours was... Scott Clark and Dave Beatty with Nathan Eyring. Have you okay? Have you seen the image now? Then no, I have not. But oh, okay. I'm definitely gonna have to look for that one. It's pretty cool. Okay, moving on. We got three more issues to cover you and voicemails later. So you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up now. Hold on. Okay, now I I finally just uh, got to check out the variant cover. The variant cover is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, like that would be so much better than the one that I got. It doesn't even make sense, the regular cover. Alone, 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 alone. It's like, come on. The covers don't make sense anymore these days. Okay. Uh, On to number 12. Woohoo! Yes, number 12. This one written by Tomasi once again. Uh, that's the guy that's been writing this for, what, the entire series? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Penciled by Chris Batista and uh, inked by John Dell, colorist Gabe L. Treb. Now, let's see, Chris Batista, I've definitely seen that name before, but uh, inker-wise and colorist-wise, those look like new names to me. Mm-hmm. Um... By the way, I, it, I know you're going to do a review, but I honestly think the art, art just hopping into it already, looks like a cross between Kirkham and uh, Monkey, like somewhere in the middle of the two. Um, I would say no. You know what this actually looks like? Mm. This looks like a cross between. I mean, as in my opinion, the Ardian Syaf mm. and uh, the guy that did. Uh, Justice League International. I never read JLI. Uh, was it uh, J.M. DeMatteis or I can't remember. DeMatteis is he the writer or the the, art, the artist? Uh, I don't know. I never read either, um, but the name sounds familiar. Um, well, whatever. <laughs> we have a million fans, like you know, a million listeners right now, <laughs> like just like shouting at at the uh, the microphone. Uh, a million. <laughs> Well, they're not actually shouting at the microphone either, because if they did, <laughs> we'd be able to hear them. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're shouting at their iPods. I like I like how the most unrealistic thing of what you just said was the fact that they'd be shouting at their mics, not the fact that you said there's a million of them. 
Okay, maybe half a million. <laughs> All right, continue. Sorry, I, I took us off on a tangent, as I want to do. Yes. Okay. Well, it's it's fantastic art, though. So, okay, very simple. Comic opens up. A couple of uh, Green Lanterns in a precinct house, responding to uh, some kind of you know threat alarm. As soon as they go outside, though, they're dead. Um, and it, they're attacked by the beast, who kind of shreds a, a, this precinct house in half. Um, and half of it's just completely like, you know, pieces floating in space. So, the Guardians call on Guy Gardner. They tell him, uh, we have a special mission for you. Apparently, when Mogo exploded, um, the pieces of Mogo, like certain certain parts of it like ended up like flying off really far so i guess that's the pieces that didn't get burnt up in the sun in, you know the aftermath issues so yeah you have a few pieces of mogo that just end up flying off into space and they're all like charged with green lantern energy and this one chunk flies directly into a kind of prison asteroid that was keeping this creature under lockdown. So it's basically like how General Zod gets out of the Phantom Zone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yes. It, this Mogo, when Mogo died, he crapped out a magic bullet that collided <laughs> exact like, out of all the places it could possibly go in space... It collided at the one spot the Guardians didn't want it to go and let out this creature that this ancient creature called uh, a Gygor. Um, it's a perfect killing machine, and uh, all it likes to eat is Green Lantern rings and energy. Y'all said you wanted some Mogo Bits for yourself, but apparently the Mogo Bits will fuck you up. <laughs> Mogo Bits, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so all of uh, the people that Guy normally would take with him are busy, so he has to uh, create a, a new crack team. <laughs> and the t- and as he's creating the crack team, like you see scenes of this beast just getting closer to Oa, you know, just wiping out more and more precinct houses. So Guy creates a a team of uh, it, it consists of a kind of walrus lion man um, who's awesome, a dinosaur, a squid person, and a sharpshooter, uh, the one that actually trains the new recruits. So, like, going into the story, you know he's going to die first. (laughs) Which he doesn't, but he dies pretty soon. Um, They get to the precinct house that they think is going to be their, uh, the, ne- the next target, uh, and it is, it is the next target, and this thing just starts snapping up Green Lanterns and eating them. The thing looks like a giant black spider, like a space spider on mega steroids. Oh, God. It's bigger than the Sector House. The thing's insane. Um, starts picking off all the Lanterns. Uh, popping up here and there. It's like cloaking, too, so sometimes they can see them, sometimes they can't. Um, it really sucks for them. 
Until finally, it's just Guy left with the the lion dude, and uh, he's like a humanoid lion rhino creature. <laughs> and they realized that this thing didn't like kill the Green Lanterns because their rings would have flown off seeking new hosts. So they figure that they're probably still alive in the belly. So they make a beeline for this thing's belly encased in a uh, kind of like a, a missile shield. And they find all the Green Lanterns that are, you know, they're slowly being killed and digested in this thing's stomach. Guy taps into their rings because they're not quite dead yet and uh, uses all the rings to destroy the monster from the inside out. And, uh, that's basically it. You know what this whole issue reminded me of, especially when we got to the double-page spread of that space spider? What? Green Lantern Corps Recharge. Okay. You don't remember what happened in that? The spider guild and everything? Oh, no I don't. Yeah, especially especially when they went flying into the mouth of this thing and found a bunch of dead Green Lanterns. Yeah. Um, kind of like when they invaded uh, what the, the the Forbidden Sector and found Catma strung up and a bunch of other dead Green Lanterns. Oh yeah, with with the Manhunters. Wait. Yeah. No, not the Manhunters. No. It was on. Um, Oh, here's another one where our millions of listeners, millions, are, <laughs> are screaming at their iPods. Well, now there's billions of listeners, because we, <laughs> out, we outraged them the last time. <laughs> in the same episode? Yes. So now they're they're back in force. But yeah, if you remember in, uh, in Recharge, um, Kyle was on Mogo with a few others and kept overhearing someone crying for help. And it, you got a vision of of Sora being uh, like strung up in the Forbidden Sector. So he went there and with Guy and and freed her. But there was like her predecessor who had gone missing beforehand and being sucked into a black hole was all strung up and dying or dead. Oh, you said Katma before. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's my bad. <laughs> that's why I'm like wondering. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> no, Sora. Yeah, uh, sorry. Stupid Chad. Yeah, I know. It's okay, though. Okay. As long as you're anyway. okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh... They killed a bunch of Green Lanterns in this one. <laughs> I was thinking... I'm really glad that a, long, a while ago they decided to destroy the shell around Oa that looked like a power battery. Because... I was always confused in the comics. What? What? I, when was I looking at a sector house, and when was I looking at Oa? <laughs> well, what the what the deal is the difference between a sector house and a precinct house? I have no idea. I think it's the same thing, and Tomasi's just throwing in different words to describe the same thing. Yeah, I, that's the only thing that I can imagine. Otherwise, maybe it's a little bigger. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if you notice. This uh, this thing it's uh, it pops up first time in sector thirty five ninety five, and that is significant because because there are thirty six hundred sectors, so that would be pretty close to the edge. Oh yeah, sorry. So so the so the edge of space, the final frontier. Yeah. So, I like this uh, Theodoric. 
Theodoric from Sector 3930. Which one is that? The, uh... The, walrus man? Yeah, walrus lion. Walrus lion man face. <laughs> hey, I like how his... <laughs> the first thing I thought was someone found a piece of... Uh, an old piece of stell <laughs> and put it on his chest. Wait a second. Theodoric of Sector 3930. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. Theodoric of Sector 3930. Oh, shit. <laughs> I can't believe oh, I didn't catch that the first time I looked at this. Shit. Oh, man. Now I'm going to have to go to look at the uh, classifications when they die. The, the ring transmission to see if there's any other screw-ups. Well, <laughs> it's ironic. That's a big, that's, that's big effing screw-up. Holy crud muffins. <laughs> yeah, I said crud muffins. That's too many sectors, Tomasi. <laughs> man. Oh, man. Thinks he can just rewrite the whole universe. Why not? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no other mess-ups. That's, that's a mess-up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, there's that. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'll kind of let it fly, because the guy is really, really cool looking. <laughs> I, I would get a figure he, of him in a heartbeat. He's from an impossible sector, and he looks impossibly amazing. <laughs> 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 Guy's like, I'm oddly hypnotized by your amazingness. Did, did you hear what I said about the stealth thing, though? It looks like he's got a piece, like... Stell's torso as a chest plate. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> well, you know what? That makes it perfect, because if they want to make an action figure out of him, they already have the chest plate. <laughs> man, that dude's got to be, like, the size of our Kilo or Kilowog. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a pretty awesome build-a-figure right there. What'd you call it? <laughs> when when uh, this guy, Art, the, uh, the sharpshooter, mm -hmm. like... As soon as he's like, my talents are needed, you know, to help, you know, uh, teach new recruits how to shoot straight. I'm thinking to myself, it's like, oh man, this guy is so dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, they need him for something? Oh, he's a goner. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that they, well, had a dinosaur as a Green Lantern. Uh, I like how guys approach to everything is to just rush in head first. <laughs> Start shooting at it. Let's kill it. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> our rings have lethal capabilities? Hell yeah. Start killing shit. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot it harder. <laughs> guys, you're not shooting it hard enough. Shoot as hard as you can. Oh, man. Yeah, this is a pretty simple issue. Pretty much. Yeah, this is good, though. You want to read uh, Dan's thoughts on it? Uh, do I ever. Hold on, just making sure I get to see. Yeah, that last page where they're all covered in blood and guts and everything like that. That was a nice little touch. <laughs> okay, let's see. Number 12, Dan's thoughts. This issue is basically the movie Aliens, only the monster is the size of a house, and it takes place outside in open space. That said, 
I thought it was pretty good. Seeing that Sector House on page two just shredded was awesome. And the first alien GL guy goes to recruit is the most fun-looking character I've seen in a long, long time. Even as I was reading, though, the first time, I just knew in the back of my head that he was gathering all these no-name lanterns so there'd be a big enough group to kill off and still have one or two survivors. The only thing I didn't really like, except for the art in places, was the setup of the monster. We're expected to accept that, oh yeah, that's always been there, and a piece of exploded Mogo just happened to break it free, and just happened to give it a taste for green energy. I also thought it was a nice touch that they named the alien Geiger for H.G. Geiger, who designed the alien from the movie Alien. Ah... I've never seen Aliens, so... You know, the name sounded familiar. I had no idea why, but Dan got it. Um, Kudos, Dan. Well, the only the only thing that I can say to that is that the monster had developed a taste for green energy before they imprisoned it. So, if anything had released it from its prison, it probably still would have Headed straight towards Awa. Yeah, probably. But, uh... Yep. So he likes <laughs> the walrus lion man also. It's, it's your new breakaway hit, DC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be the fifth Green Lantern book. <laughs> lion walrus man. He doesn't <laughs> respond well to authority. Okay. Emerald Warrior number 13? Hold on a sec. I'm trying to figure out what the, uh variant cover for number 12 was because the the regular cover is pretty fitting considering all the dead yeah in the issue oh that's cool yeah it's okay guy reflected in the eyes of that creature here comes trouble yeah now are they talking about the alien or are they talking about pissed off guy gardner i'm more inclined to think they're talking about guy gardner <laughs> Uh, you know, that's that's actually a, a, a fitting description for this guy. <laughs> guy. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that this creepy-ass giant spider is less trouble than Guy Gardner. Sorry. Anyways. You should be sorry. <laughs> to hell with you. To hell with Okay, so... Emerald Warriors number 13. Uh, Emerald Warriors number 12 ended a ended with a tiny little blurb, which wasn't really even a blurb. It just said next, and then it gave the bat symbol. So we all knew, oh crap, here comes Batman. And sure enough, we have a cover of Green Lantern Guy Gardner and Batman split down the middle. Awesome. So we open up with, um, oh, by the way, this is by Tomasi with art by um, Friends. Ron Friends. <laughs> art by Friends. <laughs> uh, with uh, inks by John, Dale, uh, John Dell and Mark Daring. So Guy is at a baseball game in Maryland and um, gets interrupted. Yet again, because apparently Guy Gardner can't sit through a baseball game without getting interrupted. Um, but uh, so he's the the emergency is that on the space station above Earth, uh, there has been a uh, murder 
So he shoots straight up to the, the, the space station and finds Batman already standing over the body uh, of a one Captain Keaton uh, who is sp- supposed to pilot uh, the experimental space plane speed of light technology that they're supposedly supposed to be testing up here. So the basic mystery is how this guy dies on you know what looks like he's riddled with bullet holes or some kind of holes. How he dies when there's only a certain amount of people on here. So Batman goes to work doing his detective stuff, which, thank God, Batman's finally doing detective stuff. Um, not that I experienced much Batman myself. And Guy is interrogating people. Uh, he thinks he comes to, co- to a conclusion um, when Batman all of a sudden pops in out of the shadows and says, I know who killed Captain Keaton. And the ship goes crazy and starts shooting lasers at everybody. They think the, the immediate thought to the reader is that this place has gone crazy on its own, uh, just because that's what usually happens in these kind of a story. But it turns out it's all being set up by, um, one of the other, one of the other, uh, people, Dr. Owens, uh, who is supposedly a member of the League of, or is a member of the League of Shadows. Um, he's, uh, sabotaging the whole thing and taking off on his own. Um, so Guy goes to get him and takes him down. Uh, the station starts imploding, so he has to save the people and somehow he manages to save everybody and catch the bad guy. And, um, they, they take him down. And <laughs> in the in the last page, this guy starts talking crap to Batman. Batman punches him in the face, and Guy Gardner says, "One punch." <laughs> and Batman says, "Had to say it, didn't you?" And then they just kind of walk off together into the darkness. And it's just like a nice little end to. Uh, it's it's not the end I would have wanted. Then again, I really have no idea what I wanted. But it was a, it was a, a cool little team up um, that went a couple of places that you weren't really expecting. Yeah, well, it's definitely not a good like I, it's not a good close of a series. Absolutely. Um, but it's not a bad issue. No, it's not a bad issue. I mean, but, but I, for I, what it is, it should have been more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, uh, once again, it's clearly you know this is them like you know. Okay, we uh, <laughs> we gotta fill some some issues before everything starts up again. Um, I mean, well, first off, art wise, I think this is the weakest of the three issues. Okay. Um, I kind of liked it. Well, in certain spots, it looks great, and then in other spots, it looks weird, like. Uh, a couple of pages in, when Batman is, like, dusting for evidence and stuff like that, and a uh, guy is doing the interviews, the uh, interrogations. Yeah, what the hell are those things on Batman's knuckles? Um, those little squares. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. I guess that's part of his costume. But, like, if you look at his face in that, that one panel that you just referenced with the gloves, mm-hmm. his face is, like... It's like I'm a shirt sack Batman, you know. It's like like a putty face, something like that. 
Um, you know, and then, you know, the, the page where the computer goes haywire, like Batman's face looks like really wonky. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a few, there's a few places in this where things definitely look wonky. Um, I mean, overall though, the art was, was, you know, suitable enough, but then the other thing that I was kind of, I don't know. Once again, this is the same exact, this is exactly what, what Tomasi does when he has to do like, when, when Tomasi can't be free to create like some sort of massive epic storyline, he does these stories that seem like you've seen them before. And as Guy is interviewing these, uh, you know, these different people on the space station, it's like, how many times have you seen it before where guy is, you know, where the guy is interviewing somebody and like you turn away from him for a second for the person that he's interviewing for a second and the interviewer continues on with another question along the same lines of what they're talking about. And when you go back, it's a new person that he's interviewing. Like all the interviewing questions flow one right into another. Yeah, that was cool. Um, but that's been done so many times. Like, that just... To me, that just seemed like... It's like, oh, okay, they're doing that again. Um, but what pissed me off about it was that, like, okay, Batman is searching for evidence to figure out who did it. Guy Gardner, on the other hand, is like, oh, you know, I'll use my my interrogation skills. Guy Gardner has no interrogation skills. It's like, who the hell is calling on Guy Gardner for interrogating? Like, use the ring as a lie detector or something. Or back up Batman. Help Batman out to see if you can get this done a little faster, you know? Or log into the computer, you know, the ship's uh, sensors to see if you can find, a, you know, a malfunction or something like that. Um it, like, the, the whole concept of Guy Gardner interrogating these people is completely pointless. But what's even more pointless is the fact that Batman figures out who it is, and he, like, he sits on that information. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, oh, I know who it is. I figured out who the bad guy is. And I'll tell you right after a word from these sponsors. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know... No, don't turn your back on them. I can't tell you who it is, but soon I will. And if you turn your back on them, then you'll lose track of the person that was the murderer, whose name I will am about to say. You know, <laughs> like stuff like that. Like that's to me is just, you know, that's that's taking shortcuts for the sake of progressing the story, um, to a point. You know, like a, it's, I don't know. I I, I don't I don't like that. There's so many ways that you could have done it other than that. And it's almost like Tomasi gets a kick out of using these, uh, you know, like, these story ideas that have been done so many times before. Well, I wonder if um, that comic shop owner will have a problem with Guy Gardner saying, son of a bitch. Probably not, because he doesn't have a problem with uh, Green Arrow, like, cursing all the time. It's it's just the fact that it's Superman that did the mm. cursing. 
Okay. But, uh... I mean, the... I just, I, I, the thing I like about this issue is Batman in space. <laughs> I just like... I mean, it's... it's. I like how he kind of accepts that... Um, Guy is a Green Lantern and this space is his jurisdiction. And he just kind of accepts his help and doesn't put up a fight about it. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I thought that was a cool feature. Um, I like the end. I mean... You know, I do like the fact that Guy was able to, you know, completely save the day and stop the bad guy and get the uh, the space station that was crashing to Earth that looked surprisingly penis-like. Did you Fal- see that? The word is phallic. Jim. I know. I, I know. I know what the word is. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I just like to use the word penis-like. <laughs> I think our forumites are going to have a lot of fun with that little clip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a very, very phallic space station. Yeah, so, League of Shadows, so, one more reason why Batman was there. Yeah, but he didn't know that. So you say. Mm. Oh, oh, and did you did you get the, the nod? Which one? one? Well, the fact that the pilot's name was Keaton. Daniel Keaton? Oh, Keaton. Okay, the actor, right? Yes. Michael he Keaton. played. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Dan's thoughts. Let's see. <laughs> and now, a word from Dan. <laughs> this was a great issue. Cover shit, and Ron Friends wouldn't normally be my first choice to do as an artist for anything. But I didn't mind it much at all throughout the issue. And I think I actually like it even more as I flip back through. I really like how they got the ball rolling, and if you're right in the thick of it by, and you're right in, thick, uh, in the thick of it by page two. I love the fact that Guy has a better relationship with Bruce than Hal does, and I think that makes a lot of sense since their incarnation since their incarnation of the league international was a lot more character driven and close as uh, and close as a group than any iteration of the more classic justice league i also don't think there's any coincidence that this is the story we get immediately before the new justice league international number 1 comes out you could very easily argue that the mystery element to this story was pointless and didn't go anywhere but i liked it for the opportunity it gave to showcase how differently guy and bruce approach police work Really, the biggest question I had with this issue is what made Tomasi decide to tell a story on the on the International Space Station. Maybe he was influenced by the recent end of the U.S. space program, and that's all he has to say. The uh, the, the final comment that I really have to make on this um, is uh, hold on one second. Oh yeah, I, well first off, yeah, I definitely agree with Dan. Um, this this does make actually actually it's kind of funny. This issue is to JLI what the first issue of JLA is to JLA. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of funny. Um, but no the the one the one problem that I really had with these three issues eleven twelve thirteen. In number 11, Guy Gardner is going for rest and relaxation. It gets delayed because he has to help out the dignitary. 
Okay. Then in number 12, he's got to take care of some beast, which is fine because he's on Oa anyway. And in number 13, he's apparently on R&R. Yeah. So it's like... There's almost not much continuity in between three issues that take place pretty much back-to-back. Yeah, exactly. Like, it should have been 11, 13, 12. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's a minor a minor issue, but it, it would have been nice if they had, you know, taken some time to put that in order. I don't know. Maybe that was the original plan. Um, you know, it could very well have been that number 12 was supposed to be done in time for 11, mm-hmm. and they had to switch it up. Um, or maybe 13 wasn't ready by the time that 12 was supposed to go out, so they pushed it back to 13. I don't know. But, yeah, that that should have been, you know, given a little more thought. Yeah. Okay. One last issue. One last in- issue. Goodbye, Green Lantern Corps. Thank God. Um, <laughs> Good riddance to bad rubbish. Now this this really sucks because Dan's not on the on the episode tonight, and it would have been really cool considering one of the first things I ever knew about Dan from the show before I long before I ever joined the show was the fact that his favorite book was Green Lantern Corps, <laughs> and not and not Green Lantern. And I really wanted to hear his take on this, the final issue of his favorite series. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. This was actually written by, uh, Scott Collins, the entire issue. Uh, and each little mini story, it's almost like an anthology, was done by various artists. Oh. Uh, I didn't realize that this was written by Scott Collins. I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. It should have been written by Scott Collins. Yeah, because uh, each uh, right. Yeah, each one only credits the art and the colors. Okay, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank God. Yeah, the storyline has a lot of continuity. The only uh, the well, we'll get there. Um, yeah. Okay, chapter one is basically, um, and this is going to be a really short recap. <laughs> Uh, chapter one is basically Boudica being restored as an Alpha Lantern. Uh, she's going back through her memories. Uh, basically everything that's happened before, she's reliving. And, and now she's wondering where she's gonna go from here. So, Boudica is back online. So to say. Um, the next part, chapter two, Salak is going to Talk to Vaz and what's oh uh, and Gahu, Officer Vaz and Officer Gahu, um, because they haven't gone to talk to the counselor uh, about all the recent events. They're not there, so they find him, and or so Salak goes to find them, and they have gone to visit um, Rigel. I don't know if that's Greenland and Rigel. It's um, it's another uh, another Green Lantern who's you know was possessed by Krona and everything, and the the heartbreaking part of this part of the story um, is the fact that this Green Lantern comes from a world um, of peace of nothing but peace of, of raised on a peaceful planet. 
uh, never liked to scream even, and the Guardians promised him that he would never have to get involved in war. And as we've known, we've been able to ascertain so far, everyone who was possessed or influenced by Cronus still remembers everything they did. So for this being to remember it is is pretty uh, traumatizing to him. Uh, Salak comes in and reprimands them, and they're talking about you know quitting and everything. And one of the things, and this is uh, you know worth noting at least, um, is Gahu says. Uh, I can't work for the Guardians anymore. And Salak says, of all the idiotic, uh, being a Green Lantern has never been about the Guardians. Neither you joined the Corps for allegiance to any one being. You joined for the allegiance of life throughout the universe. And that, that to protect and serve, does not mean you like your bosses. Uh, well, officers like Rigel have suffered greatly for nothing. And I like, I, I feel like I needed to repeat that because in my mind, I've been so pissed off at the Guardians that it's kind of lost my focus of who's running things and why they're there and what the purpose is. So it's not it's not about the Guardians. Um, is is my point here? Uh, chapter chapter three. Um, Kyle's eating a cheeseburger, as he does. Uh, when all of a sudden uh, Green Lanterns start getting pissed off and saying, "You know what? I'm sick of the fact that there's about um, four human Green Lanterns or more." In the core, and uh, they start chanting humans out. At which case, Tomar shows up and sends Kyle on his merry way. Somehow, uh, chapter four is the, what brings everything together. The um, guardians pop up and say, "There's uh, a population on a planet at risk, and um, let's all go do what we're supposed to do and take care of it." And it's all wrap-ups to each of the previous stories, basically saying. For each story, we'll deal with this later. <laughs> and it's everyone flying up towards the page, and you know, Green Lantern Corps forever, and basically this whole issue is nothing but sowing seeds for future stuff. So in the next issues, I'm sure uh, the in the next Green Lantern Corps issues, you will see one of these three stories being continued, or all of them in the same issue, or hopefully none. Yes. The only one I'm even slightly curious to see is the whole thing with Kyle and Tomar. How did Tomar send him away? Where did he send him? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure that'll be answered in New Guardians. If it's answered at all, they'll probably forget this even happened. Yeah. And send Kyle off somehow else. Um, I gotta say, personally, I really like seeing Scott Collins' art again um, because I had emailed Scott and asked him, you know, because I didn't see his name in any of the solicits for any of the new 52, um, whether it be art or writing. And he's got some other projects going on, but it was really good to see his name uh, on the cover of this issue as doing all the writing. I thought the writing was pretty good. Um, the really? Story it, I, I thought the writing itself, the dialogue, was good. It, look, dialogue I thought was good. Storyline, not so much. Dialogue, yes. There's a difference there. Oh, okay. I, and I, and I, who's and, and Scott's not the one writing Green Lantern Corps when it comes out. So for all he knows, this last issue he was told. I mean, we don't know how this how this worked. He was told to set up story for this, this, and this. And you can't tell me this doesn't feel like a setup issue. I sure hope not. You hope not, but it doesn't it feel like it? It's no, this this kind of just seems like 
let's tie up some loose ends or let's fill some space until <laughs> until we can restart. Okay. Well, that's that's what I got. Look, now I, I'm a big fan of Scott Collins. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you heard me rave when the Black Lantern, uh, not Black Lantern, the Solomon Grundy miniseries was out. This in Blackest Night Flash. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, on the other hand, um, I, and the art, the art throughout the whole book, I thought was uh, was pretty good. I like the what do you call it? The um, Freddie Williams was a little jarring only because it was so different from the other styles. Well, especially in juxtaposition to Scott Collins. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, Who, by the way, did the art for Chapter 2, the whole Vaz and Gahoo story. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like, as good as all the art was, uh, I, I, my favorite, hands down, is the Daniel HDR section, Chapter 4. Yeah. Um, I thought you would like Prado better. I like Prado. I thought he was good, but this was... You know, like, Green Lantern Corps issue 61, um, mm-hmm. that art I loved. I thought that art was amazing. And then 62 was, I don't know, it was really weird. It didn't, it almost didn't look like number 61. It was like Daniel HDR was doing completely different styles there. And that, you know, the number 62 definitely took me out of it because the art was a lot more basic than it was in the first one. Now in this, this is definitely a lot more like 61. And not only does it look great, but that double-page spread at the end, mm-hmm. I mean, that looks freaking fantastic. You know, the only reason I really like that double-page spread, and it's not necessarily because of the art itself, it's just because of the content. Oh, yeah. That, well, that's we- what I'm saying. We we never see every time we see a shot like this. There's Kyle or John or Reese or Kilowog, and none of those people are here. Right. It's just a bunch of random Green Lanterns, and you know, like I don't know all the Green Lanterns that are on here, and I'm sure that Daniel HDR made some up just for the hell of it. Um, I can recognize some of them. Yeah, and you got the one from '61 up in the uh, the top. Uh, I guess the right right half of the page. Yeah, there she is, right behind Vaz. Mm-hmm. Um, who's that? Who's that under Islandade? The uh, Catwoman. No, the one right next to her left. Uh, the. I know who he is. I've seen him before. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but uh, I mean, like, I know that there's probably Easter eggs in here, but like, I'll be damned if I even care enough to go look, just because it looks so pretty. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just enjoying it. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just noticed the Green Lantern that's right next to Tomar's fist with the mustache. <laughs> oh yeah, it just looks weird. <laughs> and then you sorry. got the, the dragon also up there. Yeah, and the clam. But uh, yeah, no, I mean like art-wise, I thought that this was this was fun art-wise. Mm-hmm. Story-wise, um, okay, here's here's my issues. The Bodica one, um, I don't have a major issues with that, only that I could absolutely care less about her now. 
Yes, thank you. That was going to be my point if you didn't say it. You know, like, how many pages did they spend on Bodica again, resuscitating her? I mean, like, how many freaking times are you going to take her apart and put her back together? She doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't she's matter. She's a new Stell. Well, yeah, basically, she's <laughs> she's about as useless as Stell. It's like, oh, well, we brought Bodica in. It's basically just to show her get defeated. Just to show how much more powerful somebody else is. That's the only reason she serves. That's the only purpose she serves now. So I could, uh, yeah, I could care less. Like, it's not that part is not bad. I just could care less about Bodica. Uh, then with Chapter Two, you have you have two lanterns completely deserting the science cells. They leave nobody else. And that's not even what what bothers me. What bothers me is that later on, at the end, Mm -hmm. there's like a major, you know, threat. And Vaz and Gahu fly right off to go handle the threat. It's like, well, your job is the science cells. So you're going to fly off to another planet to help people. Well, that's all fine and good. But, you know, what happens if there's a massive breakout in the science cells? Then everybody's screwed. It didn't make any sense for them to go, as far as I was concerned. Now, the 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 Rigel, which I'm pretty sure it's a female, that that part was okay. It's like, again, it's not really something that seemed like it, it had a, a huge point. But, mm-hmm. uh, okay, I mean, like, you know, you're having a follow-up after the war, so you have somebody who actually is having major issues with the war, that that part is one of the highlights, I would say, of, of the, the, the book. Absolutely. But, uh, I liked it a lot. Additionally, you have uh, Vaz and Gahu traveling around Oa in a flying space car. And they're, they don't have their costumes on, but they're wearing their rings. So, like, it's like they're quitting... And yet they still have their rings. Yeah. And then, oh, oh God. And then the Kyle thing, which is the biggest, like, anybody that's been reading Green Lantern would know that's, like, the biggest bunch of horse crap. Like, if anything, every other frickin' Lantern should be kissing Kyle's ass. Because without Kyle, there would be no other lanterns. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, okay, I understand Green, other Green Lanterns taking issue with Hal Jordan because he went crazy and killed everybody. Okay, I understand that. Even though, you know, supposedly he's not the same person anymore, you know, and you should forgive him, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a warrant for the hostility towards Hal Jordan. There's no, there's no reason whatsoever to be hostile to Kyle. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, this guy just wants to start a fight. And then everybody else is starting, you know, wants to start a fight with the Earthman also. Meanwhile, they're the ones that saved everybody's life in the War of the Green Lanterns. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. If anything, like, this whole story should have been Kyle Rayner sitting in the mess hall 
and just, like, every other lantern, like, lined up to shake his hand. And then that is just, like, three pages of Green Lanterns shaking Kyle's hand and thanking him for being so awesome. Yeah. And uh, Tomar Ray, yeah, in uh, with with J.H. Williams, looks like the head of a chicken. It's yeah. like full-on chicken head. Full-on chicken head. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns, man. I, usually you'll come up with a, an argument that I'll... I'll see your point, but I really do think that that Scott was told what's going to happen, and in the future issues of Green Lantern Corps, and was told to plant the seeds, and that's what we got. I, I that that could possibly be. I sure as hell hope not. But I, the other the other uh, aspects that I, I didn't like about this was. You know, Salak, it's like his line, I was actually worried for a moment. You know, as the two of them fly off into space and uh, disregard their duties again. It's like, if anything, Salak would be like, it's like, get your asses back to the science cells, bitches! (laughs) It's like, you're not allowed to quit. You're mine! You know, this this whole issue served one point for me that I, I, I forget occasionally. One of the coolest looking Green Lanterns, I think, is Tyrut. Yeah. I think he's the coolest. I, every time I see him, I'm like, wait a dude, wait a sec, that guy looks like Doomsday or something. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of cool. <laughs> it is cool, but every time, every time I see him, it's just, oh, cool. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, but if they keep writing him like this, then uh... <laughs> no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna think he's less cool real quick. Oh, somebody converted a Doomsday figure into a Tyroot custom. Yeah. Ah, sorry, I <laughs> just saw that picture. <laughs> Anyways. Um, oh my god! There's what? like a Chinese dragon Green Lantern on that double page spread. There's also a Chubacara Green Lantern. Uh, that, that's on the other side of the page. Yeah, it's right behind Boudicca's head. Yeah. And that like alien. A half, a half mouse dog. <laughs> the alien with the eyes out of its head. I can't remember what that is. I like the Franken- blue Frankenstein with horns and ape feet. <laughs> Gonna... These are just some really cool looking aliens. Yeah. Yeah, they have to be nods to something. Yeah. That that Chinese dragon Green Lantern, that's sick. That's pretty cool. I wish they would have made him closer so we could have more detail. Yeah. What's with that bug creature under Tomar's armpit there? I don't know. Alright. Well, are you are you have anything else to say that, to all that? I don't think so. Well, we tried to get Dan to send us a voicemail talking giving us more than he gave us about Green Lantern uh, Core sixty three. But uh, do you want to go ahead and read the only thing he did send? <laughs> Oh, it would bring me great pleasure. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Take it. So, Green Lantern Corps, the issue that, well, the series that Dan loved, he loved Green Lantern Corps. Um, well, from from the start, I don't know if he's loved it recently, but well, that was the one yeah. he was touting from the beginning. Yes, yeah, that was, that was the thing that he had been looking forward to, Green Lantern Corps. 
Uh, here we are, 63 issues later, and uh, Dan's thoughts on this issue. This issue sucked. It's like they took everything I liked about both issues of Aftermath and backed over it with a truck. Nobody should buy this for any reason. Though, to be fair, I really did like the scene in the infirmary, and Tomar being drawn skinny was refreshing to see. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for your thoughts. (laughs) I was sitting here telling... (laughs) Telling Jim we should totally give you this issue to review so he can hear what you specifically have to say. And this is all you give us. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he doesn't mention, he doesn't talk about the art at all. Nope. I'll always like Scott Collins' art. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, I guess I I like Prado, but whoever drew that stuff with Kyle and Tomar. I, I didn't like that. I've never liked that style. J.H. Williams. Yeah, I, I've never liked that style. And it's nothing... It, it's definitely good, but it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. Like, if... I think it, it would be more suited to... I'm not really sure what else, but something else. I could definitely see myself enjoying that a lot more with something else. You know what I think, now that you say it, I think that kind of art style just belongs in something non-cosmic. Especially something that involves a lot of bright color, like Green Lantern nowadays does. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's It almost looks a little, uh, like, too relaxed. Yeah, it's too muted and everything. Yeah. Huh, okay, um... We got a little bit of feedback from uh, our last episode. Well, I, Dan has a closing, uh, closing oh, scene he, here. Oh, he does. Yes. Uh, oh, I didn't see that. Go ahead. He boy. says, uh, overall, I'd really, really like to see more one-shots like this out of the Lantern books. Maybe as buffer space between arcs or something. But these three issues of Emerald Warriors were really, really good. I didn't expect to enjoy these much, and I think basically everyone has been looking at these issues as just sort of a filler. But damn, I am glad I read these. Pass and three buys. Pass being the Green Lantern Corps, and the three buys being Emerald Warriors. Yeah. Okay. I can agree. I can get. I can get behind that. I mean, I I wasn't really that excited about thirteen. Um, yeah, it's Batman and Guy Gardner, but you know, the more I've read it a couple times now, and I just kind of, yeah, it's all right, kind of a thing. Uh, um, if we're doing the, <laughs> if we're stealing uh, CGS's uh, buy oh, borrow every- pants. Everybody does. Everybody does. We wouldn't be the first. Just just go ahead. As long as we credit them. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, 11, 12... Yeah, 11 and 12 would definitely buy. 13, I would I would rank that a borrow. And uh, Green Lantern Corps? I'm, I'm giving that a pants. I mean, I... You know, as much as I, I back Scott Collins, I'm still giving that a pants. You know, um, it's completely unnecessary, and it didn't tell us anything we didn't already know. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. But the art, like it, it had some pretty awesome art. Um, so I, I would I would rank that a borrow at least, or it's, a casually flip through in your local comic shop. Yeah, definitely not worth taking the time to actually read, 
but you know, definitely worth taking the time to look at the pictures and then appreciate the art. Yeah, that's that's it, folks, for that. Okay. Um, hopefully, hopefully, Jim and I on our own did better than uh, Elseworlds. Well, wait, no, we still have the uh, the feedback. Oh yeah. You just sure. said it. I know. Okay. Um. So the one from Craig Skinner. That one. Oh. Wait. The email. Oh yeah, that one. Oh. Because you know he's. Yeah. he's He's happy. He's happy about something I said. So of course I'm going to read it. <laughs> yeah, go, you you go ahead read that. Uh, one of our listeners, Craig Skinner, uh, he's written us before. Uh, has he sends uh, to us cursing? <laughs> I will now be ripping you guys off all the time on that one. I am at work chuckling inappropriately. Keep it up, smiley face. Can't wait for the post DC relaunch casting. So uh, thank you. It was for the moment. I'm glad I made you laugh. <laughs> you know, I, I, made, read... I made somebody laugh, Jim. Yeah, yeah that's strange, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I read that, that email earlier this week, and uh, I, I got a, a chuckle out of the email. <laughs> and we can't wait for our post-DC relaunch casting either. He also had sent another email about... Uh, Will World because they just re-released it as a like an oversized comic issue kind of thing. Yeah, like they've been doing uh, with the hundred page comics that are reprints of series. So <laughs> yep. Yeah, he wants like a, a spotlight on that. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, I'll say don't hold your breath though. Yeah. <laughs> There's other more important things to cover, like you know, Dragon Lord. Yeah, like everything. <laughs> Um, okay, so we have a voicemail from Jacob. Let me get this queued up. Yeah, well, we'll play that now. Hey guys, it's Jacob from the forums. Um, just come to something dawned on me listening to episode 102, and I don't know if it was mentioned before on the forums or not, but, um, if, if getting the guys out of the Book of the Black was as easy as just drawing it and making it happen, then technically the Book of the Black is even a much more powerful artifact than any of the main power batteries combined. So, something that powerful. Don't you think Scar would have puked up her little black blood back in uh, Blackest Night and just said, hey, I want Necron to win? Thanks. Um, yeah, I don't think it I don't think it's quite that easy. <laughs> no, and just 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 for the sake of comedy, <laughs> um, Google's voice translation on oh, part of God. that message says, "Oh wait, much- wait, 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 because no. I'm, I'm going to read the whole translation." Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, addressing the actual message first. Okay, come on. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, um. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I just figured that the only reason that it worked was because they were just trying to get them out of the book. I mean, it's not like Kyle could have drawn Krona, you know, getting run over by a truck and splattered, you know. I, I, I don't think that would have worked at all. Yeah. Yeah. Although he brings up an interesting point. I've always I've always uh, liked seeing uh, powerful artifacts and, you know, under underestimating their powers at first and, and the role that they play. And, you know, we've done that ourselves before. So 
for all we know, the Book of the Black uh, could have a pivotal role in the uh, books and months to come. But as far as Scar vomiting in the book and saying, I want Krona to win, I mean, I want Necron to win, I don't think it works like that. I think it's, um, I don't know, I think it only, I don't think it, I don't think it can cause stuff to happen like that in the real world. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's, it's kind of like a history book, kind of. of because, I mean, yeah, because stuff that happens in the book to the, to, to Sinestro and Iroke and stuff when they were in the book is stuff that actually happened, you know? So it's not just, it's not just, uh, fake stuff that'll never happen. I mean, because I don't, I can't see, I don't know. You know damn what I mean? It, damn it, Jacob. You broke Chad. I hope you're happy. <laughs> Oh, stutter, stutter. <laughs> okay, so now, yeah, the translation in Google, because this is too funny. The message goes, Hey guys, it's Jake, up from the forms. Jones, calling to something done on the list steps at 102. And I don't know if with matching for works or not, but if getting guys out of the spoke of the black was as easy, it's just wrong. It is making it happen, and I think the Book of the Black, if it you could. I'm much more powerful artifact gonna get the papers for best up our batteries combined. So, something that powerful, okay thanks car, would have jumped <laughs> up for a little black dog. Love, back in the black, is Knight just said hey, I want. Nick on the way, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> okay, thanks, Carr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, little black dog. Love back in the black. <laughs> Nick on the way. <laughs> Nick on the way. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I think that's perfect note to end on. I have a question for you. Okay. And this is non-spoilers for DC 52, I promise you. But I have read Green Lantern number one. I will not say anything about it. I'm just talking in general with the number one books from the 52. Yeah. Do you think any of this appeals to us or will it appeal more to us when we get to issues two or three? Because so many of these issues are just feeling like for somebody else that's not me. <laughs> and they don't really they don't really have anything that happens in them. They're just set up. Okay. Or is that just number one issues? So you're saying that you did not read Green Lantern number one yet? I did. You did? Yes. Well then I think that you should be able to decide that for sure. I mean like hands down. Yes, there's something for long-time readers. In fact, I would almost go as far to say is that there's more for long-time readers than there are for new readers. Okay. But we're not going to we're not going to say anything else about that. No, no, we won't. But <laughs> because because I'm seeing an argument on the forums that there is nothing in this book, specifically this book for new readers. Um, but my argument, at least at the moment, is that a lot of this is, 
I'm not really going to get excited about it till we hit issues two or three. You know? Well. And I don't know if it's just all number ones in general or just these number ones. I mean, like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I, I really don't want to get into it. Yeah, I know. Because, you know, this is something that we're not going to spoil. No. Um, and discussing it is definitely going to give way to spoilers. Like, even... Well, I'm not just talking Green Lantern. I'm talking the number one. Because you've read more of the number ones, right? Uh, let's see. I read a few of them. And... Okay, just for, just for reference, I've read uh, Justice League. I've read Batgirl. I've read uh, Suicide Squad, Resurrection Man, uh, Red Lanterns, Green Lantern, and um, something else. Oh, Static Shock. Yeah, like, I, I would say that out of all of them, out of all the ones that I've looked at, they, uh, you know, they all have that, you know, introductory kind of feel to them mm-hmm. without alienating, you know, previous readers kind of thing. You know, like, there's enough nods to get longtime readers interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Green Lantern really, um, is cut from the same cloth as the rest of the number ones. And that's all I'll say. Okay. That's fair. I'm just, that's, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a nice teaser for when we do cover these issues since, you know, with tonight's batch of books, we're all caught up. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's, you know, we're kind of leading into our next episodes, but, um, yeah, it was just something I wanted to get out there. I wasn't really sure. How I was feeling about all of this. Okay. So. Um, another quick reminder: the Green Lantern 3D Fandom Contest. Uh, by the time that you hear this, you will have two days left. It's Wednesday, September 21st, I believe. I said. Um. Yes. I believe so. Yeah. September 21st. Get in those submissions. Send us a photo of some sort of. 3D representation of your love of Green Lantern. It, it doesn't have to be elaborate. We're not going to be picking like the most complicated one. Out of everybody that submits an entry, everybody gets one, you know, random entry, and uh, we'll pick a random winner. The winner will receive the Volume One hardcover archive of Hal Jordan's uh, Green Lantern back from the Silver Age. So that's hardcover, full color. It was Chad's edition, so it's even more special. That's right. And you will get that free of charge if you are the winner. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a pretty good little book. It's full. I mean, full color, no ads. Um, it's pretty legit. It's I mean, can't get better than that. It's something fifty dollar value for free. Yes. Full so free. Get those entries in quick. This was a fast contest. And once it's gone, it's gone. And by the way, I did find out it reprints Showcase number 22 through 24 and the first five issues of Green Lantern, the original series. Okay, so uh, if you want to send us a email, you can do so at lanterncast.gmail.com. If you'd like to email us individually, it's Jim, Chad, Dan, James, or Jason at LanternCast.com. It's just our first name at LanternCast.com. 
Uh, if you, uh, I don't know, if you are completely addicted to Chad's voice and you can't get enough of it, and you have to let just him know, then chad at lanterncast.com would be the email address for you. You can go to our website, lanterncast. Yeah, ladies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I had to just, throw in the creepiness. I was just being polite, Chad. They're not actually going to do that. Okay. <laughs> if you want to go to our website, uh, lanterncast.com, there we have links to our forum, our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, or the galleries that we have. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on on the website. Uh, if you want to call and leave a voicemail, you can do so at 708-LANTERN. Uh, just spell out the letters for lantern in numbers. Uh, leave us a voicemail. And, hey, we've actually been playing voicemail, so we're we're working on getting a better track record there. We did it once, and you said we've been playing them. <laughs> hey, it's better. It's a step up. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, and we're on iTunes. Uh, if you want to uh, go on iTunes, search for Lanterncast. Subscribe to us there. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. And... Uh, um, I guess Nick on the way. <laughs> Nick on the way, folks. Nick on the way. 